The Bucs have just gone through a fascinating stretch in the schedule. Road trip continuing, but they've just lost big time to three of the top contenders in the Eastern Conference. So I went through and looked at a few of the staple markings of a contender in the Eastern Conference and checked where the Bucs sit alongside Brooklyn, Boston, Cleveland, and these other teams that are playing so well in the Eastern Conference. We're going to look at what Giannis has been doing on the court so far this season, discuss the absence of Chris Middleton, and overall analyze where the Bucs sit in terms of the other contenders in the East. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Uh, right in solo today for this podcast, the day after Christmas in the US, the day after what was a disappointing Christmas. If you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, for sure, they were beaten down by the Boston Celtics. Of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. Uh, and last time I checked, uh, over 5,000, whether it's on the YouTube or the audio platform, over 5,000 people listen to the post-game show uh, for Christmas, which is crazy. We love all you guys. I put a note on YouTube and I said, thank you to everyone that jumped in and joined us on that show, particularly the live stream. And there was some passion. Bucks fans are perhaps a little bit frustrated, perhaps a little bit impatient, and perhaps just straight up a little bit concerned about the contender status of this team. But nonetheless, you join us. We love it. Subscribe and you can get involved in the conversations and uh, sometimes just use this show as a bit of a vent session, which we absolutely appreciate as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com slash promo code locked on. A little bit more on that later. So let's be honest. And we discussed this obviously on the post game show, but the Bucks are off the pace right now. 22 and 11 on the season. Absolutely no reason to panic. And I think, as I discussed on the last solo pod, I did. Uh, the Bucks are certainly in a different. They're in a different zone of their contendership right now. They aren't losing any sleep about where they sit in the regular season in December. They are playing the long game. They don't have the same level of urgency as some of these other teams do. But the reality is when you compare them to Brooklyn, who won their ninth straight game in a really uh, interesting game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Brooklyn are flying. Boston are flying. Even though they had a little uh, road bump they showed on Christmas Day, that they are a team that will have to be dealt with in the postseason. The Cavs have been great. And even the Philadelphia 76ers are starting to win a bunch of games. And this is a team that has missed time with Joel Embiid. That's always going to be a concern, but missed time with James Harden. But they're right there. So the Bucs are absolutely in a fight in what, what looks like a pretty tight Eastern Conference. So I wanted to just look at some of the key markings for this Milwaukee Bucks team and see where they actually sit on the season. We understand the last three games have been disastrous. They have not been close. But overall on the season, I, I, I put my Excel skills to the test here. So I want to bring up this little chart here. And I, I the numbers that I decided to look at, offensive rating, defensive rating, obviously net rating, three main ones there. Uh, Half-court offense, 
defensive rebound percentage because this is a staple of the Bucks game, and then three point percentage because we know the Bucks have just had some serious troubles over the journey. So as you can see on this chart, if you're watching on YouTube, and I'll talk you through it if you're listening on audio. Green means that you're in the top five. Red means you're in the bottom five. And then everything else is in between. So as far as offensive rating goes, Boston first, Brooklyn fifth, Cleveland uh, is actually 11th now after today. And the Bucs are languishing down in 18th right now. They're clearly out of those contending teams, the worst performing offense so far this year. As far as defense goes, you've got Cleveland number one, Milwaukee fifth. They've copped a bit of a hit the last few games because of those losses to Boston, Brooklyn, Cleveland. Boston is seventh, but we believe that they certainly have the makings of a top five defense. And then Brooklyn 11th, that's probably not going to be a staple for that team, even though they haven't been disastrous. And the net rating for the Bucs is just interesting. It is eighth in the league, but it's only plus 2.4. That has been, well, the Bucs have been in near the top five in that for the last regular seasons there. So as we know, they've just struggled. And not only that, they've been beaten down in a number of games, but the half court offense is where it's fascinating. Brooklyn and Boston, as you would expect, with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, these guys that can break down half-court defenses, get any shot they want at any point in time. Boston, the second-ranked half-court offense. Brooklyn, the third-ranked half-court offense. And then you've got the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in 12th. They do have Donovan Mitchell, though, and then the Bucs are all the way down in 19th. And this is well down on where they've been in previous years. The Bucs have always been kind of a top-five half-court team for the most part, or certainly top 10. Uh, but they have been disastrous this year. There's no doubt about that. The Bucs are still a really good rebounding team. Brooklyn not. And I think we've seen the Bucs able to use their size advantage against the Nets at times over the last few years. And then when it comes to three-point shooting, Boston and Brooklyn, again, shooters everywhere. They're both top six. The Bucs are down in 16th at 35%. And then the Cavs are in 13th. So overall... There's no question the Bucks' offense, they are, they are not playing like a championship team. Again, there's been no Chris Middleton. And as we discussed on the podcast yesterday, the Bucs aren't going to trade Chris Middleton. So unfortunately, if you're a Bucs fan, as has been the case really over the last couple of years, and they did win a title with this team. So I, I still believe this team can win the title this year. I've got no questions about that. But they are playing the waiting game with Chris Middleton, and it is absolutely an unknown. And yes, the title probably hinges on whether you get Chris Middleton back to anywhere near his best. And then in the offseason, you potentially make a decision about what happens long-term. But for now, the Bucs desperately need Chris Middleton in this team. Now, I had some pushback from Giannis Stans, and I said this all the time. I find it hard to believe that anyone anyone listens to this show for the long term doesn't believe that I love Giannis as much as, as, much as uh, the majority of Bucs fans, because I absolutely do. But it is not... An offensive comment to Giannis to say that the Bucs can't win the title without Chris Middleton because of the way this roster is constructed. Giannis is a superstar, in my opinion, the best player in the world. But the Bucs are like any other team. They need pieces all around them. Luka Doncic with Dallas needs his pieces. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors have had their pieces around Steph Curry. So it's not offensive to Giannis. Don't take personal offense to it, Giannis stands. But the Bucs will need Chris Middleton because at the moment, the offense is absolutely languishing. And quite honestly, they don't have threats to scare the defense. I was thinking about the way the Boston Celtics defended the Bucs yesterday. And then I was also just thinking about the shots that Giannis has taken in this offense. So I want to get to the Giannis shot off uh, shot chart after we get to a break. And also, I then want to discuss 
some of the threats in this Milwaukee Bucks offense and why I believe they are seriously struggling this part uh, this early in the season. But first, we'll talk about betonline.net, which is, as we know, the number one source for sports betting odds and info this season. And I did get some odds through in my inbox this morning. The James Harden stuff back to Houston is very fascinating. Will James Harden play for the Philadelphia 76ers at the start of the 23-24 NBA season? Yes, minus 180. No, plus 140. And then for the destination, if it's not Philadelphia 76ers, the Houston Rockets, the absolute favorite there. Miami, they're always involved. They're in a close second there. And Boston Celtics third. Not sure how they would make that work. Dallas Mavericks fourth. Luka Doncic and James Harden. I'm not sure... I'm not sure that's a feasible fit there, but if you're interested in whether James Harden is going to be with the Philadelphia 76ers, go to betonline.net. And they not only have the NBA stuff, uh, but they have got college sports, college basketball, of course, NFL, as the Packers are still a chance for the postseason. You can get those odds at betonline.net as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. Make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast as well. Peter Bukowski will run through all the sports news of the day with experts from across the network, including myself from time to time, talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. So after you're done with Locked On Bucks, make sure you go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. All right, let's bring up the shot chart for Giannis so far this year, or certainly the, the shot accuracy. Now, again, I did the ESPN straw poll a couple of weeks ago. I had Giannis number one in my MVP rankings, but clearly someone like Nikola Jokic, who I don't think will win, but geez, he's putting together a monstrous season. But this is, as we look at the numbers for Giannis this year, 75% he's shooting at the rim, which is a fraction down from 77% last year. And then it is down on the absolutely obscene 81% he shot in 2021. But as we've discussed across the course of the season, He shot well for mid-range against the Boston Celtics. But on the season, it's been difficult. He's 22% on short mid-range jump shots, 38% from long mid-range, 28% overall from the mid-range. And then from three, uh, he is languishing down at 26% now. And we've discussed over the course of his career, like where does the jump shot lie in terms of his, his needs or requirements to continue to evolve as a player. I don't think he needs it, clearly, because he can still average 30-plus points per game by getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line. Uh, my concern long-term for his game is just the, the physical toll it takes on his body because this man does take a beating. And I think we've seen at times this year, with no Chris Middleton and this offense languishing, that Giannis has had to take make some business decisions and say, hey, I'm going to shoot some jump shots tonight. I, I, maybe he's feeling sore. Maybe he doesn't want to put his, himself through that physical toll. But I'd be lying if I said that I, I don't have concerns for Giannis physically and just the sheer amount that he has been asked to do this season, particularly because the Bucs haven't exactly been loosening up the opposition defense. So Giannis is doing everything for this team this year. I have no doubt about that. I think, again, that's why Chris Middleton helps. But as I was looking at the Boston Celtics defend the Bucks yesterday, another awful shooting night when the game mattered. I know they hit some threes late and they were up around 35% on the night. But they were 4 for 22 or 4 for 23 at one point. And that was when the game was still a game and the Bucks were trying to hang in there. They just could not hit a shot to save themselves from the outside. So I went through and looked at the three-point percentages for this team from last year to this year 
from the guys that need to space the floor, from the guys that are going to loosen things up for Giannis in this offense. Drew Holiday, uh, he obviously does a lot more than just space the floor, but his three-point percentages have dropped from 41% to 36 Bobby Portis from 39.5 down to under 30% from three. Pat Connaughton, 39.5. He's still getting his legs back, but he's down at 32% from three. And the only guys that have really stayed level, Grayson Allen above 40% on both nights for sure. And then Brooke Lopez, uh, we know he's up at 40% from 35 last year. But I think Frank brought up a pretty good point on the podcast yesterday. Certainly defenses respect Grayson Allen as a shooter. Now, We've discussed the idea of Grayson Allen being playable against the Boston Celtics in the postseason in a seven-game series. And certainly defensively, there's some challenges. I, I spoke you know, on the podcast yesterday. I thought the Celtics were able to get the matchup they wanted far too easily against this Bucks defense who were just uh, open to switching across the board. And at six foot four, Grayson Allen just isn't going to challenge Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now, I thought Grayson Allen did a pretty damn good job of staying in front harassing both of those guys when they had the ball. But even in late shot clock situations, he's not really going to trouble Tatum and Brown too much. And and in the end, it becomes, are they going to hit shots? They did in this game. I don't think that's a knock on Grayson Allen because I've always said he, he battles. He absolutely battles defensively. And clearly, Javon Carter's a better defender than Grayson Allen, but I think the size stuff against Boston hurts him as well. I just don't think he can really impact Uh, Tatum and Brown. So that's where the challenge comes with Grayson Allen, particularly if he's not going to get open shots. Now, last year in the seven-game series against the Celtics, every single one of Grayson Allen's 25 three-point attempts were classified as open or wide open on NBA tracking data. He just wasn't able to get these shots up yesterday. They were harassing him off the three-point line. He didn't feel comfortable getting that shot up, so we've seen a lot of pump fake, put the ball on the floor, get to the rack. And yes, he had that one big throwdown, But he is the best shooter on this team, particularly with Chris Milton out. So they needed to be able to generate open looks for him, and they just weren't really able to do it. And then the couple that he did have felt a little bit rushed. He didn't knock them down. Because someone like Brooke Lopez, he does space the floor. Clearly, he needs to be respected because he's a 40% shooter. But he's also a seven-footer, and he can just get those threes off no matter who is out there anyway. So it is a different level of coverage you need for a guard like Grayson Allen compared to Brooke Lopez. And with the Bucs not having a guy on the perimeter that they can throw the ball to to knock down those shots in isolation, play a little bit of one-on-one basketball, get to the mid-range, get easy points like the Celtics did with Tatum and Brown, the Bucs with Chris Milton not on the floor just haven't been able to generate that. And as that 19th ranking for the half-court offense suggests, the Bucs are going to struggle against the best teams, against the best defensive teams without Chris Middleton on the floor. And I, I you know, it's it's tough to watch these games. We got this a lot from the fans. It was frustrating to watch this Christmas Day game because it just felt like the Bucs were outmatched. There's a lot of calls. Well, the Bucs need to do this. They need to make a trade. But the problem is the Bucs aren't really going to be able to make a trade to get in a start. That's not going to happen. So what do the Bucs have to do? They have to lean into the fact that they're a d- defensive team. And again, as I've said, if you are going to go down the path of making a trade, I think you need to bring in a guard that can do a little bit and can potentially score. Now, you're not going to get a superstar, but I saw a lot of Jay Crowder would have helped against the Boston Celtics. I know they put 139 on you, but I, I thought the Bucs had some decent defense at times. 
Again, the size stuff was a concern with the guards, but I think if you have Chris Middleton back out there, and again, I keep on saying it because people will say he's not a good defender. He's a better playoff defender than he is in the regular season. I didn't think Joe Ingles was awful. I saw a little bit that people said this was proof that he can't defend. I thought he had some decent moments. And considering this was game three or game four for him, he's only played 40 minutes total from an ACL. I think that there can still be some room for optimism. No, he's not going to lock down those guys. No, he's not in his prime. But it is some of the size you need in the rotation. So I'm not saying I'm 100% anti-Jay Crowder. I've just said that I would give it a little bit more time. But I do have more concerns about the backcourt of this Milwaukee Bucks team. And I'll tell you what the other thing the Bucks can do is if they want a little bit of size. Obviously, Marjan Bochamp. So I was a little bit fascinated that with the Bucks not able to make any shots in this Christmas Day game, with them, you know, certainly being in a position where it wouldn't have hurt to have another long defender out on the floor. Why didn't they put Marjan Bochamp out there and give him a go? Now, I do think that there is something to be said for Mike Budenholzer, who is going to protect the rookie a little bit, doesn't want to throw him to the wolves on a Christmas Day game where the Bucks are really struggling to contain these guys. Now, there is also the argument that you need to give him these experiences. We need to have a look and see what he looks like against this Boston Celtics offense. And I would, I would probably feel more strongly about that side of the argument. But I wasn't totally surprised that in the third quarter when the Celtics started to cook, that Budenholzer's option wasn't to go to the rookie. He would go to the vets, they can handle it, and what happens, happens. But Bochamp still remains a little bit of a wild card, particularly when you look at the size of the backcourt for the Bucks with Javon Carter, and yes, with Grayson Allen. He's 6'7", he's got a 7-foot wingspan, and he does obviously show a, a real willingness to defend. And so it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out over the next couple of months here in the lead-up to the trade deadline. But again, Marjorie Bochamp's not going to be a star for this team. And the Bucs are going to have to work around the fringes to hopefully get in the guys that they need to compete. But more than anything, if you're a Bucs fan, you're going to be sitting back and crossing your fingers that the Bucs get healthy leading into the postseason because this has always been the case with this roster, and we all understand it. I mentioned it on the podcast a few days ago, but the Bucs went all in for Drew Holiday. And when you think about trades that teams have made to go all in for guys, and I mentioned obviously Anthony Davis as as just a you know an option there, but the Bucks did incredibly well to get Drew Holiday. But they threw all their draft capital on the table. They pushed it all into the middle. Said we're going all in for Drew, and he fit the profile of this team: strong leaders, good personalities, defense first, but not offensively a superstar. Drew Holiday can have a hot night. He was pretty good against Boston. But night in, night out, he's not a Kevin Durant. He's not even he's not a Jalen Brown. He's not a Jason Tatum. He's not as consistent as those guys. The Bucs have Giannis, who is their number one player in the world, absolute superstar. Then they've got the, the guys that are yeah, periphery all-stars. Middleton, obviously, a three-time all-star now. But he's a guy that we can see when he gets hot, he can win you a playoff game. And he did that multiple times on the way to the championship. So can Drew Holiday. But this is a team that is built up of essentially role players around the one superstar. And it's pretty unique that you can win a title that way. But the Bucs did it with Giannis and they're going to be hoping that they can do it again. And certainly what they do have in their favor is they have the chemistry, they have the camaraderie, and they have the experience together. So that's why this team is not going to be panicking whatsoever when it comes to what they can produce at the end of the season. 
but they will be taking a cautious approach with Chris Milton. They'll be taking a cautious approach with anyone else that is banged up. And they'll be banking on the fact that by the time late March, April rolls around, they're going to be in a good position to win the title. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I want to just look a little bit more at the standings up next and then where the Bucks lie uh, as they continue to move forward. Uh, with the Giannis and Chris Milton conversation continuing on here, you're listening and watching Locked on Bucks, which is proudly brought to you by Price Picks. Yeah, Price Picks, if you aren't aware, it's uh, it's pretty fun stuff. And you might be asking, how does Price Picks work? This is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their price picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Price picks offers projections on any sport. This includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college sports as well, esports even, NASCAR, tennis, uh, Australian Open, not too far away from firing up over here. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's very easy and safe and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. That's prize picks. And uh, of course, we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So the last three games to the Bucks, and this is where things got a little bit nasty because we put up the championship credentials, the where the Bucks lie over the course of the season. But in the last three games, so this was the games against Cleveland, Brooklyn, Boston, the two or the three best teams in the East. Uh, we think the Bucks are a part of that group. Offensive rating of 108, D rating of 124, 30% from three, awful. And they had an 18.1 turnover percentage, which was number one or number 30, I should say, in the league. So dead last. And we know turnovers were, were critical against those teams. And the Bucks defensive rating of 124, you play some good teams, you can get cooked. There's no doubt about that. But this is the end of an extremely challenging stretch for the Bucks. Now, again, they went three and four in this stretch that started with the Warriors and finished with the Boston Celtics. In that stretch, they played the Boston Celtics, number one ranked offense, Utah Jazz, number four, Brooklyn Nets, number five, New Orleans Pelicans, number six, Dallas Mavericks, number eight, Cleveland Cavaliers, number 11, and then Memphis Grizzlies, number 12. So they played all of the top offensives in the league, essentially. And I think that the one thing that we, we well, I'll say I overlooked. I didn't totally overlook it, but we discussed the idea that it would be problematic. But the Bucs are going to win a bunch of games. They'll be a 55-win team. But what they haven't had to do in the past when you look at this team is they haven't had to be defensively dominant in the regular season to win games. They just haven't because they've been able to overpower teams with offense. And the Bucs will still do that against teams. But if you look at the title year, the Bucs were ninth defensively. So they weren't elite. The Bucs have been in the, in the top three all year. They're now down to five after the, giving up 139 to the Boston Celtics. But in the title year, they had the fifth ranked offense. So that's the difference right now. Again, yeah, continuity. Guys in and out of the lineup have been problematic. But the Bucs will have to turn this around a little bit because if they don't, uh, they are going to lose games to teams they should beat as well and potentially lose ground in the standings. 
So if you're asking what the difference is for this team between now in the regular season and the title team, it's the amount of effort they've had to put in defensively. And they have made tweaks to the defensive stuff. So it shouldn't be a surprise that when you play the best offenses, there is some teething problems and there is uh, perhaps going to be some old habits creep in. In this game against Boston, there was a drive from Derek White to the basket, guarded by Drew Holiday. Now, I think if you're a Bucks fan, if Derek White wants to put the ball on the floor and try and drive it to the rack on Drew Holiday, you feel pretty good about it. Drew Holiday, one of the best defenders in the league. But what happened was Brook Lopez came screaming over from the corner for the help. He does this all the time, and this is certainly what the Bucks had done in the past. Derek White saw that. Easy kick to the corner. Al, Al Horford knocked down the three. Might have been Graham Williams. Someone knocked down a three. And I think that was a little bit symptomatic of what we saw as the Celtics started to get cooking. And as we see the Bucs play some of these best offenses, they might lean into a, a bit of help. Now, I don't know if that was the scout. I doubt it was the scout to double Derek White as he's driving to the rim. But the Bucs have committed to defending the three-point line a little bit more, defending one-on-one inside the perimeter. And just occasionally we've seen some old habits come in, and that's totally fine. And I don't mind the fact that the Bucs have been tested here over these last three games because we know that the Bucs aren't at their best. So you may as well lose and you may as well walk away from that saying, okay, things aren't quite right. We've got plenty to work on. And I'm certain that the Bucs are very much aware that that is the case. One last point I wanted to make just with the Chris Middleton Giannis stuff, because again, I understand why there's impatience. I understand why there's frustration. And also I understand that why there's concern about the long-term future of Chris Middleton and the health, because he's had a few things creep up. Now I said this on the podcast the other day, I think, the nature of the injuries, particularly the slipping on the wet spot stuff, that tells me that I don't really have major concern that he's all of a sudden some injury-prone guy. I think he'll be back. I think the Bucks are being cautious. Time will tell. But Chris and Giannis, your two best players, they've played 138 minutes together in just seven games out of 33 this year. 138 minutes. Last year, they played 1,300. In the title year, they played 1,450 in the regular season. And then in 2020, they played 1,100. They're not going to get anywhere near that. They're not going to be able to get anywhere near that with the numbers uh, so far and the amount of games that, that Chris has missed. But it's just a little bit of perspective. I think it's absolutely fair enough to be cautiously concerned about this team at the moment. But I think we also sit back and say, it's going to be tough for the Bucks if they don't get Chris Milton back. And that's the scary part. Now, I will always back in Giannis every time because he is a magician and he can do some things that simply no one else can do in the league. And he has just the the willpower of no one else in the league. But you would like to lighten the load on him a little bit as the regular season continues because he is doing so much. And some would say too much. And I am a little bit concerned about him physically as the season rolls on. But the good thing is the Bucs will finally get home after a game against the Bulls and get in their own bed. They've been on the road for a very, very long time over the holiday period, which is challenging as well. There's no doubt about that. And Eliza did point out the Bucs have been on the road for two weeks. The Celtics have been home for two weeks. I'm sure that does make a little bit of a difference when you come to a Christmas Day game. But we'll see how it all pans out over the next couple of weeks. They do have another day off before that game against the Chicago Bulls. So we'll have a podcast tomorrow. We'll look ahead to the Bulls. We'll look ahead to the rest of the schedule for this year, the calendar year, and into the early January and try and predict where the Bucs are going to be. Thanks for listening to me today on this podcast. Thanks for listening to Locked On Bucks. Make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, hit the notifications, and you'll know when we go live and you'll know when we post a new video. We appreciate all your support. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast after you're done with Locked On Bucks. 
and then we'll catch you all tomorrow as the Bucks look to get back on track. <laughs>